Thanks for joining us today at Open the Word with Circle of Friends. I'm Missy. And I'm Gwen. <laughs> and I'm Jess. There we yeah. go. <laughs> we, we've had you at the table so much with us just recording podcasts that, you know, you're just one of us now. Yeah, not yeah, part you of got, the table. You just got to come back, yeah. Jess. That's all yeah. there is to it. Permanent fixture. So, Jess, I mean, I'm just going to summarize if somebody's uh, listening to this podcast and hasn't listened to the last three. Um, you are actually a missionary in Southeast Asia. You're stateside um, for a period of time. Uh, so you bring to the to our discussion just this beautiful perspective that honestly Missy and I agree we're in the bubble and you are re-entering the bubble having looked at the last couple you know years and just all the shifts and changes that COVID has kind of wrought within uh, or brought sorry within the bubble mm-hmm. um, and so you've entered back in I, I am curious about your perspective on the church, on believers, on what you're seeing, the patterns, the media, you know, just give us some of those things that you see and observe. Well, I we just got back to the U.S. in the spring. It was unexpected. We had planned actually to wait out all of this madness because we were afraid if we left, we wouldn't be able to get back in to where we, where we, are, where we live. Um, but my husband's grandmother had a stroke, and she was a very important person in his life, and we had an opportunity to come and help take care of her. And so we made the rash decision. We came home. We felt like the Lord was leading us to do that. And we were a bit stunned, I think. We had saw a lot of what was happening on the media, but we that felt like maybe it was only in like big cities. Mm, got it. We hadn't realized how much it had infiltrated just the life of the average believer in mm. the church at large everywhere how much it had been, it had been impacted i i spent the year of 2020 in this state of desperately needing to know the word of god in ways i hadn't before i think i had gotten comfortable hearing it through great speakers and YouTube preachers, and I hadn't realized how much I needed to make sure those people were actually preaching the God of the Jesus of the Bible. I just trusted a lot of what people said. And so in 2020, I started really filtering and realizing how gospelist some people's message of the gospel was, and how a lot of the American gospel was a counterfeit gospel. And so I spent a large part of 2020 in Jude and First and Second Peter, and one of the verses that um, really impacted me in the b- very beginning was Jude is writing to these believers, and he set out to write to them about their common salvation. Let's talk about Jesus. But in verse three, it says, "While I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith." which was once for all handed down to the saints. Mm. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long before hand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm sitting overseas, and I'm looking at what appears to be the total collapse of the the gospel in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, and it was it was shocking, and it was painful, but then there was this sudden urgency, like there's a remnant and we need to contend for the truth. Right. And this, I guess this driving me to motivate believers to start reading the scriptures and digging into the word. Because I think that the failure has come for generations. We have been really laxed in 
being students of scripture. We've allowed ourselves to be taught by other people and we haven't dug into it ourselves. So we come to the U.S. and our teammates there are constantly praying for us because they say, we're so sorry, we feel so burdened because you are in the thick of it. Like overseas, they feel like if you are here in the U.S. right now, you We're are sheltered. in the middle of rot. Mm. No, that, I mean, they oh. just feel like you are in the fire, which is funny huh. if you think about it. Because I think as an American Christian, we think we're the senders. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones that are sending the pastors and the, the missionaries. And we're the ones that are the thrust of the gospel. Overseas, the believers are looking and they're like, wow, you are in Sodom and Gomorrah. You are in oh. Babylon. You wow. are in the depth of the fire right now and so they feel this urgent need so in coming back if I'm honest I've had this internal struggle with the Lord in this fear of like okay God please don't make this the biggest mission field to make me stay here like do not change course on me again like I do not want to be called to this right now um and it, it, it's been a, a complete culture shock for my kids and for all of us just to see I think but in, in good and bad ways. So where we live, distinction is part of life. There mm-hmm. are so many different tribes and there are so many different religions and there are distinct cultural practices for all of those. So culturally, everybody knows who is who based on the way they dress, the holidays they celebrate or they don't celebrate, the, the way they greet, the language and dialect they use. And here... There's not a lot of room for distinction. In fact, it's conform or be shunned and outcast. Mm. And that has been hard to to navigate for my kids and for us even because I look at the church and then I look at culture and I realize there's no distinction. Mm. And so people who really want to live their life based on the fact that Scripture is sufficient – they seem like these fanatical like freaks in culture because the vast majority of the church has no distinctive qualities apart from culture. That's been an observation that I didn't realize before all of this stuff happened because I myself was probably part of those non-distinct I just, when I'm here, I fit in. I mean, we don't really dress different. I'm not saying that we should, but I'm saying mm-hmm. in other places, there is distinction between very obvious things. In here, we're all quite conformist. I, uh, Missy, she's putting <coughs> different words on stuff that mm-hmm. you and I have talked about. Yeah. And actually, the heartbeat for what I do on Wednesdays with the the uh, faith foundations. Um uh, Thank you for bringing that perspective to the table because you're absolutely right. And I, you know, one of the things that's hit me is that if the church's message today is the exact same thing as what the world's saying, mm-hmm. then we are off. Yeah. We've missed something you know, because the mm-hmm. gospel's message is in contrast. It is yeah. completely different. Mm-hmm. So if our gospel says the same thing, mm-hmm something's wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I think of the scripture, I've quoted it so many times on the air, but the world is at enmity with God. Mm-hmm. Yes. The world and God are on opposite sides yeah. of the fence. So if you look at your life and you look like the world, yeah, 
you know there is definitely mm-hmm. something wrong. Yeah. We're called to be radical, right? Mm-hmm. We're called to live a totally different life. Yeah. We're called to be different. We're called to be followers of Christ. And, and just as the disciples changed the world mm-hmm. by, their, by their life, by their behavior, by how they lived, what they did, we're called in the same manner. And it, you know, it may be a smaller uh, sphere of in influence, so to speak, but man, once we lose that, we the you know the salt has lost its savor. How yeah, c- how yeah. can we impact the world mm-hmm. if we are like the world? We can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that does yeah. is it changes us yeah. to be like them. Well, and you know when we read in scripture that to be a friend of this world is to be an enemy with God, and mm-hmm. then we live in a culture that says if you are godly, then you are loving and accepting and tolerant mm-hmm. and you are kind. It just doesn't fit it it, it those are two opposing thoughts it sounds really good though yeah, right it does, it right does. oh and if you don't know the word you can't wait and discern that out mm-hmm. yeah so you swallow it yeah. yeah yeah you do yeah and and we we think being a friend of this world is how we get people to want to know the god mm-hmm. of the bible so we try to look as much like yeah. them and to engage in ways that they are and Something funny that I have even gotten caught up in, and this is going to sound silly, and I have nothing against tattoos or piercings or, or you know, spiky hair, nothing like that. But before we went overseas, I remember noticing this kind of funny trend in the South. We're from a college town, so mm-hmm. that could also influence it. But I just started noticing this trend that a lot of the the growing churches were the churches that were full of all these believers that had just realized that, you know what, we should like get tattoos and piercings and it's actually okay to like go to bars and drink. And it was like this movement to be less rigid and self-righteous and religious. And explore that freedom that yeah, we have in Christ. In yeah. Christ, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was this new kind of way of doing church. And I didn't recognize it for what it was. And then I come back and I start realizing what a, a twisted thought that we have to actually conform to their lifestyle to make God appeasing. Attractive, yeah. yeah attra- like we have to do something to add to who, who Christ is. Mm-hmm. That is the enemy. And it's the enemy that wants us to have this false sense of religious assurance. And I think a lot of times we think that the enemy is going to be this obvious attack from the outside it's going to be an atheist that says your god is not real and we don't realize that the 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 most aggressive and um uh, successful attack of the enemy has always been from within to convince people that they are gods and and they're not this false sense of assurance Mm -hmm. this false salvation based in a religion that is not based in the gospel and so you have a whole culture that worships a Jesus, but he's just not the Jesus of the Bible, but they don't know, they can't recognize him because mm-hmm. they haven't actually studied to know who the Jesus of the Bible is. And so for me coming back, there has been this culture shock of the condition of the church and the average person who would say that they're a believer and their willingness to throw out biblical truth and buy into cultural narratives Mm -hmm. and paint that as a new way of doing church. Like we get to rewrite it or we get to decide what is holiness and how would Jesus live? 
you know, and that has been hard, but it has pushed me and our family to seek scripture and to cling to the sufficiency of scripture because it has begun to reveal how fallible and how mm-hmm. temporal so many of the found the things that the foundation of so much of the religion in this country is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thankful for it in that because I think that I would have much easy, uh, more easily just drank the tea before. Yeah. You know, and just agreed and <laughs> drank in the Kool-Aid. From the South. Yeah. 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 The North, we say you drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Southerners, the it's the sweet tea. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that's why mm. whenever people ask me, how was it for you to be overseas and experience COVID and, I, I have a hard time reflecting back on the year 2020 and, and despising it because I feel like it was such a transformational time in my life personally as far as me realizing how desperately I needed the Lord and how desperately I needed to know His Word for myself. Mm-hmm. Not from a man, but I needed yeah. to read it His words straight from Him. Yes. And not just trust anybody who's going to give me their personal translation of it. And so I have become extremely selective. I do not listen to anyone who has not been proven, tested, and true. And if they waver even a little, I just turn it off. Mm -hmm. So there is like two two Bible um, teachers that I will even listen to that I do not personally know and have a relationship with. And other than that... It's either straight from the Bible or I'm not going to be listening yeah. to it and reading it because you cannot trust. You cannot just trust anybody. You can't. No. You cannot. I can't even trust myself mm-hmm. to not be persuaded by the voices around me yeah. without filtering it through his truth. I've had some conversations with Josh about just, you know, we've got that Alexa and the kids will go play praise and worship, you know, yeah. and I'm and a song will come on and I will stop it and go, did you guys hear that? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about if that's true. You know, and then like the there was one that came up that talked about the body of Christ as our foundation. Mm-hmm. And I went, no, 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 no. Yeah. Because that makes people who mm-hmm. are fallible our foundation. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Guys, yeah. the Bible is our foundation. Mm-hmm. God in us mm-hmm. is our foundation. We are part of a body that is very flawed and very sinful, but that church is not our foundation. You know, so, I mean, even just a song lyric like Mm -hmm. that, and I think that's a whole area Mm -hmm. that we think, well, you know, it's praise and worship music. Yeah. It should be fine, right? Mm -hmm. Tag on Christian to it and it's fine. Right. And, And a lot of what we need to understand is that some of that is being created in environments where spiritual emotion mm-hmm. reigns over biblical truth. Absolutely. You know, and so what's being created is not necessarily anchored and developed from mm-hmm. spiritual truth, from the word of yeah. God. And so, you know, you'll get these emotional-based songs that unless you test them against mm-hmm. God's word and the principles of scripture and and kind of take, okay, let's take this idea and or this sentence. Is that really how this the mm-hmm. true gospel works yeah you know th- you then you've got a lot of stuff you gotta throw out yeah. oh my so my oldest daughter is um she plays a guitar and she sings mm-hmm. and she's very she's in a season i've seen this year in her life it's just been remarkable how god's grown her so she's seeking truth and she loves music and she'll come to me and be like uh, i've never listened to that 
that art, art, that artist again. I will no longer listen to songs from this church anymore mm-hmm. because she is realizing that lyrically there is no theological substance. In fact, it's this this touchy feely emotional. It's all about personal sentiment and romance, and and you could sing the same songs to your boyfriend that they're singing to Jesus, and there's not a lot of difference. And um, so we've become quite selective even in, in the songs that we listen to as far as worship. If it doesn't have any solid scriptural, biblical meat to it, there's just no sense in it because it, it is right. implanting things in your brain and your psyche that are not biblical, and they give you this emotional need. Mm-hmm. And that was there's this scripture you know that we've heard our whole lives over and over and over, and, and people use it. And we use it so poorly. And this past year, that has really, um, in our family, we've talked about it a lot. And, and you know, we, t- we say, what are the greatest commandments? And they, well, love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, here in the U.S., we teach that as you, you better love yourself. That way you can love your neighbor. Without any context at realizing he was talking to a people that he already knew would never struggle with loving themselves. In fact, mm-hmm. he was talking to a people that he knew would be prone to love themselves too much. And so he was saying, you know how you overlove yourself? Overlove your neighbor like you overlove yourself. He wasn't saying, make sure you learn to love yourself well. So we've taught an entire generation of young people in the church that the, you can't love God until you learn to love yourself. You can't love your neighbor until you understand how to love yourself. And I just don't find that that's actually any of our struggles. I don't think that people struggle loving themselves. In fact, most of the things that we say are lacking of love for ourselves is because we love ourselves too much. Mm. You know, we think too much of ourselves. We think too much of our needs. And so we become overwhelmed and consumed to the point of being depressed about them. Self-focused. Yes. And lost in our thoughts and in our struggles. Self-absorbed. Yeah. And so for us, this coming back has been, okay, we need to sink our teeth into God's word and we need to cling to it because everything about what's happening culturally right now is coming for any little shred of biblical truth we cling to. And we are going to be faced with the challenges of your religious beliefs are offensive. They're intolerant. They're actually countercultural. You know, they're dangerous. And, and so we have to know what we believe and we have to stand on it because it's not culturally appropriate, but because it's God's truth and that does not change. So that's where being back here has been. We actually don't know what the future looks like. And so when I talk about, don't worry about tomorrow, today has enough stress of its own, Mm -hmm. I have had to remind myself of that daily because since we've been back, the situation where where we live has gotten really worse. And because of international travel bans and lockdowns and restrictions, we don't know what getting our visa looks like, traveling back looks like. We don't really know if we're going to be able to go to the place that now we feel like is home. And and so when, when I joke about, God, please don't make me stay here, I'm not joking. Like, I really do every day say, like, Lord, okay, I know that you're always after my yes, so I'm going to say yes, but I'm, I'm pleading with you to not make this be the yes you want because I cannot raise children here, you know? Like, I mean, American culture to me is so scary, and mm. – and, 
six, seven, eight years ago, I would have never thought that I would think that or say that because this felt safe to me. But I, um, I keep being reminded, our team leader once told us, he said, Jess, has God called you, called you here? And yes, yes. Well, then only he can make you leave. And so I realize that no matter where we are, God has placed us where we are for that time. And I want to be obedient to what he is saying, no matter where I am. Yeah. And that obedience, like it always has, will probably be met with struggle. Mm. But I'm, I'm at a place now in my life where I can be thankful for the struggle, even before it happens. I know it's coming. And I remember how much he has shown himself to be faithful and taught me about his character and his attributes through the things that I would have never chosen in life, more so than anything else. And so it's just a, a freeing place of embracing what's coming, knowing that he is sovereignly working. And I do really think he is sovereignly working right now in the church in the U.S. I, I think we are at a very pivotal point where he is calling out the remnant and, and where maybe before it was hard to know who was really his and who wasn't because we just kind of all blended together. There are some very clear distinctions between those who cling to Scripture and it's sufficient and biblically founded believers and those who don't. And those two groups are no longer able to just co-reside. Mm-hmm. There's, the culture there's is starting making. to be some real division between the two. Yeah. yeah. And I read a book. Um, am I allowed to talk about authors and things sure. on here? So Bring I read it. this book by yeah. – so one of – there, there are like two people that I, I listen to. I love John MacArthur because he teaches scripture verse by verse, book by book, and he just goes through it, and he doesn't insert his opinion. And there is a man named Vadi Bakum or Vodi. I say his first name wrong, and then I get confused which one's right. <laughs> so his name is either Vadi or Vodi Bakum, and he wrote a book recently called Fault Lines. And he talks about in the book that the, the church is getting ready to experience a very big quake. And it's the whole idea of the fault lines of an earthquake. And for believers, right now is a time when we have to make sure we're on the right side of the fault line. And the book is so good. It talks a lot about um, the critical theory and all the stuff being pushed in schools. And um, I want to make sure I'm on the right side of that fault line. And I've just realized over the past year and a half, the only way that I'm ever going to land on the right side of that fault line is if I know the word of God and it is in me and it is the thing that forms my thoughts that then form my core beliefs. Yeah. And, and you know, Jess, you're getting to something um, that I want to put words on. It, you know, you can come to God's word with your cultural lenses and, and change the meaning and the understanding to fit what you want it to fit. You mm-hmm. can use the Bible to support anything. Yeah. Okay. That does not give it the authority Mm-hmm. that God says it has. Mm-hmm. That doesn't give God the authority to say what he wants to say and de- us to deal with it. Yeah. Okay? And so how we come at Scripture, the amount of authority that we give to Scripture, I think is the difference of what mm-hmm. side of the fault line you're going to be yeah. on. If you truly believe that the Word of God is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, given his full authority, mm-hmm to teach us everything for life and godliness, then we're going to be in it. We're going to look at it and go, well, if God says this, then I need to change me on all of mm-hmm. this. 
because yeah. I need to bring all of this in alignment with what his word says. Yeah. This is my standard. Mm-hmm. And so I think that fault line is going to divide over whether or not you're going to let God's word be your mm-hmm. standard or whether you're going to let that narrative that's yeah. being pushed at us yeah. become your standard. Yeah. You know, and if you let culture drive the narrative that you're going to stand on mm-hmm. and become your standard of measure and your plumb line, mm-hmm. goodness, culture can take you anywhere at once. Yeah. And because once you yeah. shift yeah. off of the word of God, you're done. You're yeah. on the slide. You're on the yeah. ride. You're going wherever that roller coaster car is going to go. Yeah. And, and there's see somebody, it and you're not even going to realize. Yeah. And it'll take you way farther than you ever wanted to go yep. before you realize it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there, there are so many different places in scripture where it pointedly tells you this is, these are, evidences of, of faith of a true believer yes and so it isn't like we have to wander around in the dark and wonder like am, am i on the narrow road i mean it isn't a guessing game at all no. there are things that are clearly pointed out in scripture if we will just read it yes that signal the life of a real believer and two of the the things that have stood out to me the most over the last year and a half from people that i think differentiate the life of uh, of the invisible church and the visible church is Right now during this time, a real believer is hungry for truth and seeking the word. Yes. They, have, they have received the call of desperately needing to know the truth of God and a desire to really be connected to the body of Christ, not just a fellowship of people in a building, but to have within their life connections with real believers who are pointing them to Christ. And loving God's word. Yes, and loving yep. God's word. Because when the word in my heart is weak, the word in yours is strong. Yep. And so you are pointing out yep. to me where yep. I am wavering. Mm-hmm. And so we need each other desperately. Yeah. Like the one of the greatest gifts aside from the cross for the believer is the body of Christ. Yeah. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit in us yeah. that is unifying us together. Mm-hmm. It's what creates the moment where somebody over here is prompted to pray for you yeah. because you've got this going on and they have no idea. Yeah. They just know they need to pray these certain things, yeah. you know. And, and it's, it's that kind of moment where the Holy Spirit in both goes, I'm connecting these two people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move this to happen. And it's that kind of stuff that you're right. That's yeah. what strengthens the believers to be able to have the support in moments of contending for the faith. Yeah. And just the realization that we have one another in and through Christ. Yes. And it's not any other way. I don't have you because we have common interest. Right. So that doesn't give me rights to any kind of relationship or demanding anything Mm -hmm. from you. We have one another in the body of Christ in and through Christ. And then that that's the plumb line. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit functions in each of us to buffer and yeah. to sharpen one another mm. so that we can contend for the truth. Yeah. So when I see my brother or sister being sh- struggling or being drug along with an ideology or a false teaching, the Christ in me goes to them and brings them back to the word yeah. because this is an eternal relationship. And I think I have never considered the importance of that. Like our relationships in the body of Christ, they transcend our life here. We have one another for all of eternity. Right. So those are things we need to be investing in and value because they're not relationships that are going to fade away. 
In fact, we're going to be united together in Christ for all of eternity. And so those are the relationships that are the most important, you know, but we have cultural traditions and we, we put value in, you know, we feel like we have to really connect with the world so that we're, you know, having an opportunity to meet people and we need to have relationships and opportunities to share the gospel. But as far as deeply investing and connecting, we have no business doing that with people who do not share our unity in Christ because those are the relationships that are eternal. And I think so many young people get swept away in relationships that lead them away from the gospel because they don't realize the danger of those deep connections and those heart relationships. Absolutely. And they don't understand the value of the body of Christ in those relationships. And for so right now, I feel this urgent longing and desire to really understand what it means to be the body of Christ and to encourage and be part of that. Mm-hmm. And when I say the body of Christ, I'm talking about like the invisible church, the ones that when God looks down on the earth, that one's mine, that one's mine, that yep. one's mine, as opposed to the visible church that we all see as mm-hmm. the ones that gather in buildings. Oh, there's 200 people that go to our <laughs> church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you think, well, the road's narrow, yeah. so what fraction of those people are actually part of yeah. the body of Christ, you know? Well, and I, I think I'll leave us today with just a statistic. I mean, if you look at Barnum's research, you know, Two, one fifth of the church is not in God's word. Mm-hmm. We're not reading God's word. The bulk of us are never reading God's word. Yeah. You know, if we are reading it, a heart, a huge majority of us are only in it once a, mo- a month. Yeah. Once a month to once a week. You know, so the amount that we are in the word compared to the amount that we're on social media mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and so when you've got that, you know, the amount of millennials and down that have a Christian worldview. Well, it's a Christian worldview. That's that you believe the tenets of Scripture that if mm-hmm. you're a Christian, you don't argue about. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the amount of them that have a Christian worldview that they make their choices and live life out of is less than 1%. Mm. Wow. Less than 1%, which means if there's 100 people in your church, millennial and down, one of them, actually lives life consistent with scripture mm-hmm. one yeah the other 99 are just making choices based on what social media or the popular christian of the day says or mm-hmm. you know just whatever those influences are so if you're looking at that we are losing the church mm-hmm. we are losing and so unless something shifts and unless we go back to God's word, we're going to continue down the same trajectory and there won't even be a visible church mm-hmm. because we are losing the invisible church like crazy because we are not teaching people to get in the word. Yeah. We're not challenging them to live in God's word and have it abide in them, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, uh, that has become the heartbeat of just doing these podcasts mm-hmm. is that very thing is to encourage people to get in the word and do it now because you're going to need it later and you won't have it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. I think that's, how about if we just leave it there? But I just thank you so much for your perspective on just coming to this discussion with um, just the insights from being outside the United States and coming back in, the reemerging into the culture. Thank you. Oh, I thank you so much for having me. And, and you'll be back, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks for joining us.
Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to OpenTheWordPodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed. Step back in time with a stay at one of the oldest buildings in historic Berlin, Ohio, the Worthman House. This charming building has a rich history with origins dating back to as early as the mid-1800s. The newly restored two-bedroom, one-bathroom suite has hardwood floors and gorgeous chestnut trim throughout. It is also outfitted with locally made Amish furniture. It can sleep six and offers a beautiful panoramic view of Berlin's Main Street. Its location in the heart of Berlin is an ideal spot for walking to various restaurants and shops. Book your stay at the Worthman House through VRBO.